Hello, everyone. <laughs> another day, another dollar, another chance to just stand a little taller. It is, it is a great, great afternoon to be a stoner today. I don't know why. It's always a good afternoon to be a stoner. This pipe made me looks like makes me look like Sherlock Holmes if he was a sports fan. You know, like, I was actually there. I actually found out who was the one who turned off the lights at the Superdome in that Super Bowl, the Ravens Super Bowl in 2012. Took me, you know, nine years to do it, but I found him. It was Beyonce, her hair dryer actually took up all the electricity after her performance that it completely shut down the entire circuit of New Orleans including the Superdome but moving on to the smoke session with your host not Sherlock Holmes if he was a sports fan but another sports fan on entirely by himself and way dumber than Sherlock Holmes Luke Rowland who is me if you did not deduct that and you know, we're going to start this off with a little bit of a reefer's review of a nice music album that I listened to this week. It's called From a Bird's Eye View, and it's by the American rap artist Corday. And I'm going to be honest, I actually thought that Corday, when he was with YBN, was a kind of a pussy. Going to be honest. He had big eyes. I actually. I was on a roll, man. I was on a roll. This is my second take, but I will pause this. Sorry about that, folks. My roommate was getting his car towed back to our house because it's old and broken and reminds me of the Turtle Mobile from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not the cool one from the 2010s or even the awesomer one from the 2004 where they had a high-tech Turtle Mobile. No, I'm talking about the one from the 1980s where it looks like a goddamn beat-up Volkswagen. That's what's in our front yard right now. But anyway, moving on. Why I think that honestly the entirety of YBN are all kind of soft. You're telling me that it's a rap group that started because they met on GTA 5 when they were all in high school and they just started doing freestyles on Xbox live chats. And then they're like, hey, let's turn this into a career. And then they dropped the mixtape with all these goddamn features. Doesn't really do it for me. All right. But then... Once Corday kind of dropped the YBN label, I actually listened to his music, and it was really good. I'm not going to lie. It, it's very catchy. He's a good musician, good artist. And then I actually learned who he was as a person. He's kind of a badass. So is his music, especially this new album from a bird's eye view. Highly recommend that you should check it out. I was introduced to it because my roommates were blasting it in the morning, and I woke up to the sounds of Super, which is a great way to start your day. But some of my favorite songs on it, obviously Super, the next Sinister featuring Lil Wayne, and then Champagne Glasses. And also on this uh, album, he all, Corday, he calls out YBN a lot more than I do on this podcast, which is even more hilarious. Next, we're moving on to the Ganja Game or Gimmick, or the Juganj, the Juganj Gimmick, or the Juganji, the Juganji, as some would like to call it. But... The ganja game for this week's episode is Upgrade or Downgrade with Luke Rowland. 
And what it is, is basically I get to assess a person's life or career or their bodies of work. And I either deem it if it was an upgrade or a downgrade throughout the progression of time. And this is all, you know, personal opinion. This isn't objective at all. This is very subjective. It is only what I think if it was an upgrade or a downgrade. So take everything with a grain of salt. But the first subject of upgrade or downgrade is everyone's favorite sci-fi movie franchise. George Lucas's epic space opera, Star Wars. But we're only doing the six episodes, the first six episodes. The Disney ones are dead to me. So first uh, the first one, you know, we're going to start off very high, very high bars set with Star Wars, which came out in 1977. It's a revolutionary movie, both in special effects, storytelling, and Harrison Ford starring roles. You know, this was the one that really changed his career, and also everyone else's, but go Harrison Ford. And, you know, it was a, it was a sci science fiction reimagining of a hero's journey. You know, perfect story right there you just done it up with you know some special effects put it in space made it a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away and everyone fell in love with the franchise bada bing bada boom great thing and then the next one he did in 18 in 1980 perfect sequel to come out the empire strikes back i deem this a total upgrade of a movie all right, it expanded on the Star Wars universe and lore. All right, it kind of it was the antithesis to A New Hope because A New Hope started off on like a desert planet. The good guys win in the end. There's a lot of hopeful. You're like thinking like, damn, like we can do it. And then The Empire Strikes Back is the exact opposite in storytelling. It starts off on an ice planet. The bad guys win at every single turn. The heroes just get completely fucked on. Han Solo practically dies like and then han solo dies again in the first one or in the seventh one but that was ripping off of empire strikes back empire strikes back killed han solo first and that is why it is a total upgrade not only that but also it has one of the biggest twists in cinematic history when no i I'm your father. Like that is, ooh, sends chills down my spines. It gave me daddy issues I didn't even know I had. Damn. That's why it's an upgrade. Then we move on to The Return of the Jedi. It was a really great conclusion to the trilogy, but I will say it was a downgrade from the second one. Because uh, it was good and all. You know, the Ewoks, it was a great, great finale. I love what happened with the Emperor and how Darth Vader changed over to the good side right at the second. But when you hear that the Battle of Endor was actually supposed to be a bunch of Wookiees going against the Empire instead of a bunch of Ewoks, but the only reason why they changed it was because of the costume department didn't have enough money to make the fur coats for, like, six-foot-tall individuals. So instead, they hired children and midgets because that was what they could afford. It kind of puts a little tamper on the movie because you're just watching it and you're like, damn, dude, you're thinking about what could have been. And that would have been such a great ass, such a great ass movie. Just seeing a bunch of Wookiees just tear stormtroopers to shreds. Like we got a little bit of that at the Battle of Kashyyyk, but just imagine a whole ass third act where it's just that. But I will say that the Battle of Endor is still a good third act 
The Ewoks definitely add to the narrative that unlikely allies can help you overcome great adversity. Like, even the most unlikely of them. You know? It adds to that narrative. It was a very good David versus Goliath story, still. And also it shows how far home field advantage can take you. I like that, too. But, in the end, it can't hold a candle to episode 5. And then we move on to the prequel trilogy, which came out in, you know, the turn of the millennium. Moving on, we're going to the episode one, The Phantom Menace, 1999. And, you know, it's a pretty, pretty anonymous, you know, downgrade from Return of the Jedi. Uh, I love this movie, though. I love seeing a young Obi-Wan learning from a dope-ass wise master in Qui-Gon Jinn, played by an awesome actor. I love seeing a scary new villain uh, in Darth Maul and seeing how the Emperor, like, began his conquest. And I love the pod racing. I love the action. I tolerated the young Anakin Skywalker. But honestly, Jar Jar Binks in himself is the only reason and the only reason needed to why this movie was a downgrade. Moving on. Attack of the Clones, Episode 2. Coming out in 2002. I call this a total upgrade from Episode 1. George Lucas just said, you know, fuck it with the slow storytelling and space politics. You want to go to war? Let's go to war. And he, fo- and he starts off the movie with an assassination attempt. And then a murder mystery that leads to the discovery of a secret army of clones. And then it also leads to a space senator slash queen fucking a genocidal space monk who's afraid of sand. And also, he has mommy issues. And then, this happy couple goes on to discover another secret army of droids. And then, the secret army of droids fights the secret army of clones, and it just all leads to a bunch of senseless violence, and the movie finally lives up to the name Star Wars. And then, at the end of the movie, we actually find out that both secret armies were created by the same guy. Dude, Palpatine playing chess when everyone else is playing rock, paper, scissors. So much better than Jar Jar Binks. And then moving on to the final movie in George Lucas's double trilogy. The Revenge of the Sith, which came out in 2005. And I call this an upgrade as well. Because it it's basically the fall of Rome, but in space. And it has the best lightsaber fights in cinematic history. Like, and also, it shows the birth of Darth Vader. Enough said. Like, that's an upgrade. Now we're moving on to the cannabis current events. The U.S. placed 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert for a possible deployment to East Europe as a NATO response force amid concerns of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian leadership said that the invasion is not imminent. You know, Ukrainians are kind of pulling a full Julie from Avatar right now, just saying, there is no war in Bonsite. What are you talking about? And the United States is just like, well... If there is a war in Bossy and say, uh, I got the squad on speed dial, so just let me know whenever you need. That's basically the world politics today, folks. 
Next, we got the James Webb Space Telescope has reached its final orbital position above the Earth, one million miles away. Observations are expected to start in June. You know, the telescope is actually so far from Earth that it is actually able to capture the full size of my ego. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, age 81, announced that she will run for re-election to Congress for a 19th term. Though she did not indicate whether or not she will seek a fifth term as Speaker of the House. You know, Nancy Pelosi is kind of like the Tom Brady of politics. She's way past her prime. Everyone kind of wants her out and just to keel over and die and just make room for the next generation. The younger folks, you know. Because she's on her way out anyway. Might as well give her a little kick. And then moving on to my high thought of the day. You know, I thought, I think I suffer from this condition of my own making. Um, I like to call it main character syndrome, or MCS for short. And basically what it is, is the patient or protagonist finds that they view their lives as a TV show or a movie, where they themselves are the main character of thus TV show or movie. So they tend to live, you know, quite a dramatic life. And I know what you're thinking. Why? Why does he think he has main character syndrome? You know, is it because he's an egotistical asshole? Maybe. Is it because I watched way too many movies as a kid? That also could be true. Or maybe, just maybe, I figured out the fact that I'm the only person I spend 24 hours, 365 days, like, with, alone, together. I'm with me all the time, you know? So I might as well treat Luke Rowland as the main character of my own life because if you think about it, I am. So, yeah. And who the fuck wants a supporting role in their own goddamn life, you know? Not me. Not me, for sure. So, keep that with you. Be the main character of your own life. Speaking of which, we got a great show for you guys. It's all about narratives and stories. Fun fact of the day, you get to hear a story of the Spine Collector, which is actually not as morbid as you think it is. He's just a book thief. And then we move on to the debate, which is nonfiction versus fiction. Which side of the coin are you on? So stay tuned, guys. Stay high. All righty. Well, for another day, another fun fact, I'm here with... My roommate, Big Mike, over here. What up? Uh, and we are here to learn today about some books, which is, you know, probably one of the first places of where learning took place is in books. We're going to learn about a grand scheme, a grand con that happened in the publishing industry over the past four years um, in, like, the book, pub like, book publishing. Like, you know how... People yeah. make books. Are you familiar with? I, I am familiar. Books? Yeah. What's your favorite book? My favorite book, I'd probably say the Maze Runner. Maze Runner. Yeah. Nice. So just, you like the classic teen dystopian kind of? Yeah, it was probably like the first book that got me into just reading in general. Because before then, well, I read a lot of like Encyclopedia Brown. Mm -hmm. and yeah, all that, like the kid. You know, just just to get into it, about. but. 
Yeah, Maze Runner has always been up there, and and like The Hobbit, that was pretty good too. I read The Hobbit in fifth grade, and yeah. it was my mom made me read it before my school did, and because of that, I like actually kind of enjoyed reading it. And then I watched the Lord, the like incentive after reading the Hobbit book was watching the Lord of the Rings movies, which I was really hype about because yeah. my dad like had them on a shelf, so I always like would see the covers. And I was like, I wonder what that story's about. My dad would be like, oh, it's really good, but you got to wait till you're older. Or if you read this book about a midget who goes on an adventure, you can watch the movies. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, let's do it. And then over like a, you know, a beach vacation, I read the book and then was able to watch the movies. And it's pretty fucking awesome. That's dope. Well, this is about a guy who's also excited to read some books. Yeah. Because he also stole manuscripts from the upcoming books that weren't published yet this book thief was known as the spine collector spine collector get it because books yeah (laughs) a lot more morbid than the actual crimes he committed but it's a pretty cool name all it's a good it's a good analogy so his mo what he does was he would steal manuscripts from publishing companies or the authors and uh before they were released to the public and how does how does one steal a manuscript you might be wondering does he break into a museum? Yeah. Are there like armed guards? Does he have to know Taekwondo? Does or he anything? take their spine? Uh, right. No, he just uh, he just asks them for it using a fake email. It's very just like kind of identity theft. Like instead of like instead of like you know publishing at Germany, it's like publishing at Germany with an IE instead of a Y, and people are like, oh, it's the same people, and then they yeah. just here you go. Fooling, fooling. So yeah, so he stole a manuscript of the latest release of this uh, Stieg Larsson's Millennium series in 2017, and that was the start of his crime spree. And uh, Stieg Larsson is the dude who wrote the like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books, mm-hmm. like that whole entire book series. The latest one of that was coming out, and this book thief got the manuscript by uh, emailing the Swedish publishing company, pretending to be a French translator. And he was like, hey, can I have a link to the manuscript? It was password protected, and I need a new link in order to translate it. Except for when the Swedish publishing company like emailed the French translator back to confirm, they had no idea what they were talking about. There was no French translator. And now this manuscript's out and about in this guy's clutches, and he was able to read the latest book. And, That's simple. Uh, and then after that... A bunch of instances just like this one was happening all over Europe and the publishing world. And uh, everyone kind of thought it was the Russians at first. But what, would ra- but what would Russian hackers need with books if they already got computers? Exactly. So it wasn't that. Something a little more paper, you know? Exactly. But this instance is this, like, you know, kind of shit. It was spicy. It was drama. Yeah. You know, these are authors. These are people who love writing about drama so it sparked a very small investigation with like interpol and everyone was kind of trying to catch this book thief the spine collector but they couldn't find any of the manuscripts on like the secondhand market there was no black market. like this guy wasn't trying to make money off of it like they were he, trying to figure out a motive he just wanted the pre-order early he just wanted to read some <laughs> books man that was it he already read all of the books he's like you know how like your grandma like has played all of the candy crush levels and now she's like yes. waiting around like after she's like where's the next one exactly this guy is the same with literature and in, in, this, in this case this dude went that far to just fool everyone into tricking him it was him and he was like ah it's probably easy like once you gotta yeah. get in the role of it I mean everyone needs a hobby right you're not wrong. 
Ready box is a good one. So over the year, this guy, he kind of starts to get cocky. He starts tar. Uh, he targets Sally Rooney's latest novels, but also he, uh, he starts like demanding manuscripts from these super obscure underground authors that no one's ever heard about. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, throughout this, he's like striking fear in the publishing world. Like there's more paranoia spreading through the publishing world faster than a freshman smoking weed in a parking lot for the first time. All right, everyone's freaking That's, out, yeah. accusing each other, being like, you did that, no, you did this, no, this, and the spine collector's just laughing in his, like, broom closet. Thinking what it's, being like, what's <laughs> he going to do next? <laughs> and uh, this is, like, a really big deal in the publishing world because apparently authors really like their privacy. The mere yeah. idea of someone knowing your work before the, you're ready for the world to see it. Like, that makes sense. Kind it's of like, like an pe- invasion. It's like when people drop leaks of music. Exactly. You know, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So people don't like that. You got to respect each other's like, yeah. artwork and shit. Got to wait till when time's due. Mm-hmm. So by 2019, the spine collector, he's stolen dozens of manuscripts, impersonating hundreds of uh, publishing professionals in order to do it. And his gra- crown jewel, the one manuscript that he really wanted, like kind of like the, like one last ride before I retire and yeah. go to the Caribbean. Uh, he wanted Margaret Atwood's The Testament, which is the latest book in the Handmaid's Tale series, which is like nice. a Hulu TV show. That's This is the book series that that's based off of. He wanted okay. the, the newest one of that one. And the spine collector was determined. He was emailing everyone left and right, even people that weren't like necessarily even involved or like connected to Margaret Atwood's books. He was emailing them, trying to get a copy of this manuscript. Yeah. But there was no copy of the the publisher decided not to put like not to put out any manuscripts until the re- actual release of the book, which is something that which is smart, just because you probably would do. figure out. Well, someone's been mm-hmm. trying to get cocky and do all this and that. And I gotta protect the goods. Might as well be a little safe. And apparently, that was like a risk to the sales of the book. Yeah, I don't know. it was a risky move. And then in 2020, the pandemic happens. And this only kind of adds more fuel to the spine collector's fire. Because now everyone is stuck inside, depressed, and on their computers. Perfect opportunity for him to seep in and be like, hey, you got that manuscript? So he's been hella active in 2020. Goes a little crazy because of COVID. And he starts like blackmailing people, threatening others. And like when people aren't giving him what he wants, he's like, I hope you die of the coronavirus, stuff like that. You know, kind of getting irrational, getting sloppy. As yeah. one does over one's career. And finally, in 2022, oh, also a couple of the highlights of some other things he said to people when like, this one guy was actually like trying to meet up with the spine collector, like trying to like bring him out, you know, into into public, see what he's all Spose about. Him. And the spine collector wasn't about that at all. He said, no. hey, how about we meet up at Fuck You Hill or maybe even Silly Cunt Square? Which made the investigators <laughs> think that the guy was British for a little bit. But, turns out, in the big-ass twist, that in 2022, they finally caught the thief. And his identity, whew, Scooby-Doo moment, real, was Filippo Bernatelli, an Italian citizen. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if it went for the meddling kids and that dumb dog. Mamma mia. Simple. 
So yeah. that's money. That's the that's the little fun <laughs> fact of the day of the story of the spine collector of the two thousand. Very interesting. Who would have thought? You know. I know. Who would have thought? Yeah. Any, just, a, any... just a simple guy who just wants to get a little bit of a head start. Exactly. And he thought. But he is willing could... to go to the ultimate measure. Yeah. Stealing manuscripts. So, I think I think if anything that you can learn from this story is, you know, it's important to have a hobby, but it's important to keep your ego in check when you pursue those that hobby. Because yeah. if you feel like you're, because like right now, Filippo, he's serving hard time in jail, but he's also probably reading a lot of books. Probably is. You know, that's a definitely. Time and then, then isn't that what he wanted in the first place? He got what he asked. Yeah. So. There you go. Worked, worked in both worlds. Right. I gotta walk across the fucking room to go turn this shit off. Good shit. Facts. Good fucking shit, boys. Facts. Obviously, your ass is the Rolling Stoner podcast. Are we on? Are we on air? Yes, we are Mike on check. air. Okay. Yes, Mike. Are we serious? Check is already Mike. Don't be serious. This is the Rolling Stoner podcast, dude. This is. It's a comedy. <laughs> this is the last thing I want you to be is serious. Okay. This is where dreams come true. Yes. For the future generations of America. They will look back on this podcast and they'll be like, you know what? When they started debating about fiction versus nonfiction books, that's when I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Who knows? We could inspire the next president of the United States if the country lasts that long. Yeah. Hopefully they will read nonfiction books. Or maybe they'll read some fiction books. Who's to say? They just might learn a thing or two. That's for sure. And then this would be where you put the theme song. Like the dun 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 Yeah, or whatever. Rolling Stone, your podcast. Three sides of a coin. This is the end of the episode, so I can't like do the can't like throw the theme song in. So, no, but I can like do like a, a segment theme song. Or, or yeah, segment like, um, it's the <laughs> debate. Yeah, <laughs> debate time. Especially because <laughs> people might like be listening to, um, you know, they're listening to the beginning of your podcast. They're getting ready, but then maybe like they're driving. So like mm-hmm. they're listening, listening. Then they get in the car and actually start going, and they sort of forget. And then. You know, they're driving, they're turning left, and then dun 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 Yeah, exactly. It's the debate. Yeah, it gives them a time to, like, Think yeah. hone in. And yeah. Like, all right, now, especially because, also, I'm it's also... Gonna, yeah, there will be like, there will be advertisements in this podcast, eventually. <laughs> and the perfect places to put advertisements is in between the two segments. But oh. then, like, how do you know when... It's an advertisement again. and when to actually start listening again because who actually listens to advertisements? You put in a theme song and it's da 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 the debate. You know, I'm still working on the actual theme song and yep. stuff pending for that. Yeah, it's all good. But that's a great note. Son. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so anyway, the debate that we're talking about today is fiction versus nonfiction books. Which would you rather read? Which would you rather write? Which re- would you like rather do an essay about? And which would you rather like live in if you like your life was a book? Because who doesn't want to think about their life as a book? Definitely not fiction. You're a nonfiction guy. I'm a fiction yeah. guy. I always like fiction. I always was attracted to reading fiction as a kid, like back in elementary school when they were teaching. You know, like, all right, kids, like you can either read 
like Flat Stanley and like the wait a minute the I think Magic I think Tree House or no fiction fiction yeah yeah there you go fiction for some like, reason I had the two mixed up yeah no fiction <laughs> fiction, <laughs> fiction. <laughs> yeah no no not yeah not fiction that's like yeah not fiction was like yeah books about animals no 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 okay first of all. The key thing with nonfiction, if you read a fiction book mm. and it sucks, you wasted your time. Yes. <coughs> if true. you read a nonfiction book. Because then it's just some like, crazy person's sucks, ramblings. It might have been really boring, but you still learned something. That like, is you true. You probably That's learned true. one yeah. fact. From At least book, even everything in nonfiction is, should be fact. You know? It could be like biased facts. Or like you know, well that doesn't really facts. count. If you're like you know doing fake facts, it's not. But hopefully, you as a reader should know, you know, the context of what you're reading, and because you always gotta take everything with a grain of salt. Like especially nonfiction, because like things can be outdated. Like have you ever read an encyclopedia from the 1950s? No. I'm sure it has a lot different things to say about like the civil rights movement. Yeah. Yeah than an encyclopedia from now. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely fiction, just because... Because the fiction... More creativeness, overall, I think it's easier to just grab your attention. Unless it's, like, a story, like a true story, where you actually are indebted to it, but... Like Most of the time, yeah, 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 yeah. Something that's actually, like, legit. You don't want a fictional biography. No. (laughs) But, yeah, most of the time, the fictional... Fictional stories that I've read have just have been my favorite books. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like fiction because it gives it's the author's world. Like the True. author has all the power yeah. in the story, so they can make it whatever it is. And with those prose, anything can happen. And the stories they kind of become more of stories of like character development. Like you get really attached to fictional characters. Yeah, That's why everyone so loves than... pop culture. Because these are just really well-written fictional characters. Well, I think part of the thing, too, is that, like, you can write nonfiction in, like, storytelling form, but it's still all based on true things. Yeah. Sort of like the movies that are, like, based on true Yeah, events. that's a part of nonfiction. And that's more nonfiction than it is fiction, because you're writing about facts, like, mm-hmm. narrative nonfiction, where they, like, tell a story... But then throughout the story is the information you need to know. Yeah. You know, like anecdotal stuff. Exactly. Um, that's cool. What I like about fiction is how there, it is kind of like all similar. In that storytelling where there is a beginning, middle, and end. You have characters that develop through a series of events. And uh, many forms. They can, and it can range from like just different types of this same story, the same hero's journey can be very realistic where it's like like a person's life or like it could have happened like historical fiction or it could be very fantastical or very surreal you know it's all up to the author and it's that that's what makes fiction more of an artistic way of expression while nonfiction is more of uh, the way that people capture reality and facts and tell it is another art form in itself sort of like photographs versus paintings Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I think the the two are definitely nonfiction is rooted in reality and what you can do with what you have. And then fiction is rooted in what could be. You know. I 
think those are the two mm-hmm. paradigms. What is and what depends what is like fiction, nonfiction, where it's fact on based on the real world is consistent. It's like it's pretty. Whereas fiction, it could be really amazing, or the world could be terrible, and the writing could be boring. Yeah, it could be really depressing. You know, like so. I'm like sure we've all read The Giver, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's good. But it's Bleak. Like, yeah, but I just mean like if you have a really good fiction author, it can be better than like nonfiction storytelling wise for sure. But if you have a bad fiction author, it's like even bad nonfiction is not going to be that bad. Yeah. That's true. Like the worst, like like fiction can get like pretty cringy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it could. That's why you just gotta stay away. From You're that. like, is this a novel or is this a manifesto? <laughs> <laughs> there are some cons, and it's also it's easy to get lost in it. Uh, not in a way where like, oh, I'm lost in a book for a nice evening. Like, oh, I had such a good time, cozied up, but lost in it. Like, like I don't know what the fuck is happening. Like, like have you ever read Lord of the Rings, Mike? I didn't read. I read The Hobbit. I didn't read Lord of the Rings, though. But I saw the movie. Then you're familiar with Tolkien's literature. He he takes five hundred pages to describe five steps taken from the Fellowship. Yeah, that was definitely in The Hobbit too. Yeah, so you're kind of like uh, drags on. But amazing movies, and it's an amazing fantasy world. But it definitely was an achievement to read. But moving on to what I think about nonfiction or. What I like about it is that it is very based in the real world. Mm-hmm. It contains a lot of information. You'll always learn something from a nonfiction piece of literature, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and so practically, it can be very helpful. I remember I cite a lot more nonfiction books and stuff, like when I want to impress people. Be like, actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. in this yeah. one obscure book I yeah. read, <laughs> like try to pull like Goodwill Honey, you know, how do you like them apples? <laughs> Like that. Uh, so again, nonfiction is very relatable. Like I think sometimes, un- like fiction, it can be unrelatable. Where it's like I, like this person's writing about being one with the universe. I don't know what the fuck that is. I'm a tax attorney. Like, but if you read a novel about a tax attorney who like just wants to, dude, like, John Grisham, lot he writes uh, legal thrillers. Ooh. They're all literally about lawyers, but they're like drama lawyers you know it's like imagine yeah that's a pretty good description of it but like yeah it's super niche relatable like I'm sure a lot of lawyers love reading that shit probably they're all like he's literally was a lawyer and then there's also uh, David Baldacci Mm -hmm. who writes uh, the exact same thing but for like um, FBI agents Uh, like Jack Ryan this is not fiction or fiction Oh, this is fiction. This is totally okay, fiction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like that's, that's still cool though. Airport and all. I know. I've sh- I've jumped ship. I'm on the fiction side now. <laughs> this is totally like it's flipping the side of the coin. You know? the airport novel, yeah. like airport. Some yeah. You know those? Like they're the little. Oh, like at the gift shop paperbacks. Okay, I thought it was airport. like a novel about an no, airport. No, no, no. It's like, like a genre of like bad fiction that's really engrossing you know gotcha. like yeah kind of just like a lot of like ear, earwormy dialogue yeah like, like the stuff that's like really things. suspense and thrilling and like but like pulls you in genuinely not really a good plot if you think about it but like in for an airplane ride it works 
you. Yeah, it's something you, know, you can read for six hours. Exactly. Before and then never think mental. about it again. Exactly. Airport movie. Airport uh, novel. Yeah, yeah. But then the airport movie. Airport you know, movie initially like, becomes it. Or, or that's uh, like the new age of the airport novel. Oh, was I telling you? Like, what's the perfect airport? What what movie is always on like in airplanes? Like, Down oh, a Star is born. That shit. Yeah. You can always tell someone's watching a Star is born on an airplane. It's it's right like, around hour four, they'll start bawling their eyes out. <laughs> Dude, the thing about airplanes is that, so disposable earbuds are making a comeback. I would invest now in disposable earbuds. Disposable okay. earbuds. Like because the wired here's the ones or like the Yeah, the wired ones. Because the thing is, back when like airplanes were just getting TVs with movies, mm-hmm. it was like what, I don't know, early two thousands, nobody was just iPod hadn't been invented or whatever. No one was just walking around listening to music all the time. Yeah. So they had to give you disposable earbuds. Yeah. Then like the twenty tens Everyone has earbuds, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't, like, they don't need to give you any on the airplane. Nah. They didn't for like the longest time. And then now it's AirPods. Yeah. So no one has the wires anymore. So now and they're giving them out on airplanes. So that's yeah. one of my, you know, so Marcus really taking a turn. One of my big, big companies this week is disposable earbuds. If you want to invest. Well, good thing the Rolling Stoner podcast is not an investing podcast. This is not financial <laughs> advice. We would lose. I'm not a fiduciary. We lose. <laughs> we make people lose their money. But back to fiction and nonfiction. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was a good ramp. I like that. You can no, just cut good. that out. No, 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 no. That's staying in. That's staying in. <laughs> I just, I like the, the spiral down. Um, fiction and nonfiction. How did three sides with a coin that shit? Fiction, uh, non-fiction, you can I write. don't read. <laughs> I got it. All right, Movie so, version. <laughs> you know, we all, we all, non-fiction is nice because it's grounded in reality, and we all ground our own selves in reality, and our yep. own perception is our own non-fiction. But then if we think about, you know, what our reality could be, uh, it becomes a little, life seems it becomes a little fictional. But it's still our our story is still you know there's still blank pages, I uh, reaching out through the window. Uh, so uh, what's the the rest is still unwritten is what I'm trying to say. So live your life either like a fiction or a nonfiction book. You can either live your life how it is and keep going day to day, or you can live your life how it could be. Try to strive for better tomorrows, but you need to balance the both because our lives are both a nonfiction and a fiction book. Because there are many people who, you know, definitely live lives of fantasy. Yeah. You could say that's living to the fullest, to be honest. Yeah, both sides of the coin. But yet, also again, it's also you could also live crazy. Yeah. Like people look at you like, what? Like yeah. that's how you live? Like yeah. we don't live like we're not the same. Like yeah, you gotta you gotta balance you. It can be the good story. or bad. You yeah, one hundred percent. You gotta balance you living the story versus the story living through you. Yeah, you know, 
which one is it? Are you controlling the story, or is the story controlling you? That's a lot. Yeah, that's the way it goes. So, on that note, go read a book or something. Read it. I don't know. But also stay high. Get high, and then read a book. Look at that. Balance. You know what else you can do? You know how, like, when you're high, time goes by really slowly? Mm, yes. I've been timing this. It's been, like, no time at all. It's been it's like every minutes. time. Every time I look back, no, I've been timing it just since a minute and 30 seconds ago. Okay. Uh, but it's been, like, already 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, no, I was just saying I've been timing this whole segment. No, but, okay. Since time goes slow, read a slow book. Read a... Yes. Yeah. But don't read The Lord of the Rings. That shit's too fucking slow. Too slow. Just watch yeah. the Amazon show that's coming out at the end of the year. Oh, I'm so excited for that. All right, well, stay high, y'all. Yo.